And our aim tonight is to get down to verse 15. Notice the title here is I'm coming quickly, part two. And we already saw the Lord declaring that. And we'll come back to that here and setting things up in verse seven, where he says, behold, I am coming quickly. And then tonight, the Lord willing, we'll get again down to verse 15. And in verse 12, again, he says, and behold, I'm coming quickly. And before the end of the chapter, again, he says, I'm coming quickly. And uh, he's saying that, you know why? He's coming quickly. And the Lord wants us to be living our life with a perspective that the Lord can come at any time to be found a people about his business. Well, we'll read the text here in a second. I just want to set things up and then get going in what's before us here tonight. You know, as we're here at the end of Revelation, we've talked about the new heaven, the new earth that's going to come after that thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth and that last dispensation after the great tribulation. We know at that time as well will be the great white throne judgment of non-believers. Again, this heaven and this earth will pass away. There'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And there in chapter 21, we looked at a lot of the details given concerning the outside of that new heaven and new earth. And then in verse one through five here in this chapter, so many details concerning the inside of that new Jerusalem. I'm gonna leave the recap at that because I don't wanna preach what we've already preached. Awesome things, awesome truths that are before us. Great encouraging truths. I think, I think to myself, the greatest encouragement is no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. And then even more so, he will be our God and we will be his people. And there's just gonna be a contentment in the Lord forever and ever. And then notice verse five there in the text of Revelation 22, one through seven, he tells us as well about us, we'll reign forever and ever. We're gonna reign with the Lord. And we talked about how we're gonna serve the Lord. We're gonna rest in the Lord. We're gonna fellowship with the Lord and we're gonna reign with the Lord. And all these things give us insight into, again, the fact there's gonna be perfect fellowship. There'll be no sin, no effects of sin. We do know we are gonna be at rest. And at the same time, we know we're gonna be serving. We're gonna be reigning. And so look at, the Lord has phenomenal plans for us for eternity. And that's something we wanna rejoice in. And I think we really need to keep that before us because look at life's tough at times, isn't it? And there's trials, there's tribulations, there's up, there's downs. Uh, the scripture says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but none of that's in vain. God has a purpose in all those things to shape us, to mold us. And we have a hope that goes far beyond this life. And in this life, look at, we have a greater hope than anyone has in this world. We have the Lord with us where our sins are washed. We have that peace that passes understanding, the scriptures and so forth. And so we're blessed on both ends, but what a glorious future before us. Now, again, we get that description and then notice verse six and we closed on this last week. Uh, again, it says, then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things notice which must shortly take place. And this is the angel that's giving this revelation to John and after giving this great detail of the new heaven, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, along with everything else, you know, that's been revealed to John, there's an assurance given. You know, you hear these things, in a way it sounds too good to be true, you know. These things are in many ways foreign to us. Eternity is something we grasp with, this idea of a, again, a, a, a sinless place with a perfect relationship with God and Again, no pain and suffering and perfect contentment. But we get an assurance here that these things being said, they are true. This is the product of prophecy as the Holy Spirit moved upon holy men. And God is true in his words. And notice as well, again, what he says, these things not might or could, but they must shortly take place. And let's keep that before us, especially when we are in an age where so many mock the idea of the coming of the Lord. And it's just sad that that mockery, it's not just out in the world, a scorning of the scriptures and the promises of God, as we've touched on oftentimes in Revelation, a lot of that has gone into Christianum, a, 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 a mocking of the idea of the Lord coming when the Lord said, I am coming and I'm coming quickly. We don't wanna fall into that place. We wanna put God's word before us 
And then let's also rejoice where it says, which must shortly take place. This must happen. And we've touched on this so much through this book that it must happen because, again, this is a fallen world. And God did not intend for things as they are to continue forever. God's got a better plan. Again, this world that we're in here is under a curse. These came when man sinned there in the garden and we all sin and fall short of God's glory. And the Lord didn't come to set up a kingdom here on earth, but an eternal kingdom. When the Lord went to the cross, it wasn't, again, with the mindset of, you know, we're going to set up something here that's going to last forever under a cursed world. But instead, the Lord coming to make the way for that curse to be removed and becoming a curse for us. We're sinners and we're under a curse. We're under condemnation. But praise God, again, as prophesied, Jesus lived a sinless life and paid the penalty of our sins. Again, to be a substitute for us. The scripture says, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that through faith in Jesus Christ, we have the assurance of our salvation. Is your faith in Christ tonight? Can you say amen to that? We have the assurance of our salvation. And again, these things will shortly take place. Now, again, I know from the perspective of man and our understanding of time people can say look at this has been so long though but from god's perspective it's not in god's perspective this is very quick and even in again eternity before us no doubt we'll look back and say our time there was so short and let's remember that even on those days that seem so long anyone feel like they had a long day today and those seasons that sometimes feel dragged out you know what i'm saying let's keep the proper perspective that our time here is as a vapor it is as a shadow and then notice verse seven again the first of three times the lord saying this in this last chapter of the bible behold in other words check this out know this get this before you it's the idea of everyone listen check this out this is of great importance behold again this is the Lord speaking, I am coming quickly. He's coming quickly. Now, Bible also talks about signs and unfoldings and birth pains that will even precede his coming. And I think it's very easy to make a case that those things are unfolding in the world today at a rapid, rapid rate. Our world is just drastically changing. It is, it is under strong delusions I mean, up is down and right is left and left is right. You know what I'm saying? And it's all backwards as the scripture said that it would be. But look at even more than that, he is coming quickly. And this is, this is the greatest thing to hang our hat on. Hey, do you think the Lord's coming soon? He said he's coming quickly. And so we need to understand that the Lord said he's coming quickly in the sense of he is coming quickly, especially again in comparison to eternity and we see this reiterated through the word because, again, God wants each generation to be living in a manner that the Lord can come today. We should have that before us. No matter even what your view of eschatology is, even if you're like, well, I'm a big pre-wrath guy or a mid-trib or a post-trib, I don't see those fitting in the, again, the scenario of, of end times eschatology. Again, the Lord's going to work that out. I think people that draw those conclusions are ignorant concerning Israel. I think they're ignorant concerning the tribulation predominantly being about God bringing Israel into a full relationship with the Lord. But hear this, if that's your perspective, Jesus still always said, watch and be ready always. And if you're like, well, I'm watching for the Antichrist. I'm watching for a great tribulation. That is an unbiblical stance. We are to be looking every single day and that should be affecting the way we are living every day. We want to be found about his business. We want to again be found worshiping and walking with the Lord when he comes as well as making the most of our time versus putting off things the Lord is calling us to. Well, I got time tomorrow. I don't know. The Lord might come tonight. Wouldn't that be glorious? That would be wonderful. And then we wouldn't have to knock out that wall. It'd be, it'd be phenomenal. Some are like, oh, I want to knock out the wall first. But that'd be wonderful. And then he says, blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. We're pro-blessing, amen? Blessings are good. He's saying you're blessed if you keep the words of the prophecy of this book. Again, in the first chapter, blessed are those 
who read and hear and keep the words of the prophecy of this book and then it's reiterated here again to keep it you first got to read it and you got to hear it and then keeping it would be again keeping these promises before us keeping these truths before us not letting the enemy come in and look at he'll even try to snatch the seed of the word out of the life of the believer and replace it with you know what some strange seeds bring weeds instead of the awesomeness of the word of god and it's also again the call to be doers of the word we'll see that talked about in our text here tonight to be doers of the word i think one of the biggest calls in this book is to again be in the world but not of it to come out from her lest we share in her sins you know what to be a people set apart for the lord in this day there's a desperate need for that so look at let's read verse 8 through 15 and let's keep verse 8 and 9 keep in mind here that again john has just heard the proclamation from jesus christ behold i am coming quickly and we'll see that john is super excited about this he's so excited and he's so emotional it's almost like i gotta do something here and what he does is unbiblical it's 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 pretty amazing what he does is unbiblical and he gets corrected and he gets pointed back to scripture and back to jesus and probably what's more incredible is he already did this earlier in the book and got corrected and we'll come back to that here in a second he says now i john saw and heard these things and when i heard and saw i fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things then he said to me see that you do not do that for i am your fellow servant and your brother and the prophets and of those who keep the words of this book and then notice what he says here worship god and he said to me do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is at hand he who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is righteous let him be righteous still he who is holy let him be holy still and behold again verse 12 and behold i am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work i'm the alpha the omega the beginning and the end the first and the last this is the lord jesus interjecting into this the alpha and the omega is god jesus is the one coming soon blessed are those who do his commandments speaking of the commandments given again in scripture that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates of the city but outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves and practices the lie now again john's excited about what he's hearing here no doubt he's excited about the coming of the lord along with all this revelation that he is getting and you know again the lord's undergirding him in this because unless a man's really you know built up and prepared and filled with the spirit how could you just take this in you know but it also shows how we can go so quickly go from the 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 spirit to the flesh have you ever noticed that where you're just in the spirit in the sense of the fruits of the spirit are there i'm not trying to be all mystical or weird you're in the the fruits of the spirit are there there's just a a worship of the lord you know um just a, a closeness with god maybe even the midst of some some ministry activity that you just know the lord's ordaining and you just see fruit going and so forth and then the next thing you know you go and someone cuts you off in traffic and oh here comes that old man and then other times it can even happen in the midst of you know that ministry setting where you're not necessarily cut off in traffic but you get outside of the borders of scripture because you get led by your emotions and the excitement of things and those emotions again given by god and there's a purpose and reason for them and they can be good but at the same time we need to be cautious because they also can lead us astray and even when there's a good intention if there is a bad reaction or we're led by emotion and not the word of god there's no exceptions god is gracious god is merciful god will bring correction but we don't get a we don't get a pass in that sort of speak and this is where again we need to understand god's a god of order god has given a prescribed manner of worship in the scriptures and so again he hears these things he sees and hears these things 
And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. What are you doing, John? Bro, what are you doing here? And then he said to me, again, see, do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brother and the prophets and those who keep the words of the book. Again, worship God. So some things for us to glean from this. Again, an emotional and not a biblical response is what comes from John. He falls and worships. It's like, I'm so excited. I got to do something. I'm going to worship this angel. Wait a minute. What are you doing here? And then notice, even though John is caught up in the emotion and has a good intent, this isn't John saying, you know what, let me, let me find something other than God to worship. It's not him with a rebelliousness. It's him instead, though, again, allowing the emotions to come in and override, you know what, testing and checking himself. And even though, again, the emotions are there and he has a good intent, good intent notice he's rebuked by this angel and he's corrected by this angel in a very gentle yet firm way. Again, his biblical negligence isn't ignored because he's led by emotion over truth. And boy, that's something we need to get before us, especially in this day, because I don't know if you guys noticed, most people are led by emotion over truth. Look, if you ask any lawyer today, especially an old school lawyer, someone that's been around for a while, they'll tell you back in the day when they argued a case, it was always just based on the facts. And they'll tell you today, at least most of them I talk to or I listen to, I know some some great Christian lawyers that do podcasts. Uh, a guy like John Holler does like a, a prophecy update every week and, you know, whatnot. And he'll tell you, I've heard him say it many times in arguing cases today. Yeah, you still need to pr- present the facts, but you got to understand that so many times people, they're going to be led for their, by their emotions. And you got to go in and you got to try to paint pictures for them. You, you, you got to try to present things in a way that, gets hold of their emotions so even if there's a damaging act that happens that gets before them so it's not just the facts but the emotional ties and you know if there's something where the facts are on the side of something just real black and white and not emotion and you got someone over here that's got a real emotional case you know what uh we're we're you know, they, they, they're in a place where it's easier to create a sob story or whatever when they're actually a violator of the law or they're the guilty party. That's very challenging. I mean, there's been surveys recently done within the evangelical church and an evangelical is supposed to be someone that measures everything by God's word. And the bulk of Christianism in these polls by Pew Research or Barna says most Christians determine their doctrine not based on scripture, but on their feelings and their emotion. And here John again is led by his emotion, overwhelmed by all this. And how how can you blame him from a human perspective? And yet the angel doesn't hold his tongue, but instead gently rebukes John not to try to ruin John's good time, not because he's not loving John, but because he loves John and he loves God and God's given a prescribed manner of worship. And we gotta go back to God's word. Because again, if we're just led by our emotions, that's gonna give us, that's gonna get us in big trouble most of the time. Again, he points him back to the word. Keep the words of this book and worship God. You look at Exodus 20, and I'm not going to read it, but it tells us really clear we're only to worship God. We're to have no other gods before him. We're not to bow down and worship anything else. Colossians 2.18 specifically talks about angels. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, introducing into things which he has not seen vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So this is real clear scripturally, but again, John's led by his emotions. And this is where we all need to be careful because it's easily, it's easy to get swayed by our emotions, our feelings, our surroundings. Again, we got to follow the word versus emotions and you know what, manipulations that can come before us. It's not saying that emotions are bad. Emotions are good. Amen. But emotions need to be under the banner of God's word, not God's word under the banner of emotions. 
Not, hey, I was so emotionally moved or I got angry or sad or upset. And so God's fine with me throwing his word and his clear instruction out the door. If you're a more emotional person, and maybe this is already resonating before you because it could be an emotion of anger. It could be an emotion of, you know what? Empathy beyond scripture that allows you to be manipulated or you enable sin. There's so many of these things. Notice Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his spirit is like a broken, is like a city broken down without walls. No rule over his spirit. In other words, he's led or she's led by their emotion. Emotion gets the best of them. They're highly emotional. So everything they do is emotional. Do you know any folks like that? <laughs> highly emotional. They can even be difficult to be around. You know, like, Lord, they're stirring up my emotions. So Lord, help me right now not to get in that place that I can respond in a biblical way. But again, emotions lead us, can lead us astray if they're not under the banner of the word. And I could say as well, if there's no emotion there, that's probably not a good thing. If there's no empathy or mercy or there's not a movement in your person when you see someone suffering or an anger that comes when you see an injustice or something, you know, that, that people, you know, being dragged to hell, that should stir up something in us or you know a governor that i think he signed 12 pro-abortion laws into law today in california look at i got up that's the first one of the first things i saw and 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 i got angry about that and i want to get angry about that i don't ever come to the place where i'm like oh well whatever people are going to do what they're going to do now i want to respond biblically because if i'm led by emotions and that kind of stuff oh steve going to do some dumb things you're going to be a loose cannon real quick. What's God called me to do? God's called me to pray. God's called me to proclaim truth, which I just did right now. I'm not going to shrink back in that because sadly, I read the story on the KSBY newsfeed and they basically said, this is being done with very little opposition because even in polls, the bulk of Republicans are, are, are pro-choice and pro-abortion. And I've talked about it. You see that coming into the evangelical church. You see that more and more becoming a platform that not just conservative politicians, and I say that loosely, conservative politicians stand on, but you see Christians in pulpits. You see even guys that are supposedly sound partnering with these pastors that are for these things on stages and so forth. You better, you better be careful. Oh, Hezekiah, when he rode in Ahab's chariot, he got rebuked hard by the Lord. Why are you basically, he says, partnering with those that hate me? These are serious things. And again, I know that for a lot of folks, it's out of sight, out of mind, you know, not really an issue of me, just go along to get along. These are lives we're talking about. Not to mention the devastation that happens to women in these things. But praise God, again, whenever these matters come up, we serve the God who heals we serve the God who forgives. We serve the God who gives life. And if you're, you know what, affected by these things or have been, bring it to the Lord. He loves you. He wants to wash you, cleanse you. I always just love that I can preach and proclaim that when I talk about this. But I'll tell you, those that promote it, they can't say that because they're promoting death. And God is the author of life. Satan is the author of death. Can we say amen to that? So again, we want to have those emotions, but they, they need to be, under biblical guidance john john 4 uh, 23 the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth so again with the spirit comes d definitely doesn't come a, a hardness i mean look at the fruits of the spirit love joy peace long suffering kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness i i, I don't think that's a call to be a a robot you know the, these are to have love, they're, they're, you know, I, I, and I know people express it different and some people, again, are more sensitive than others, but, you know, in this, there's concern and compassion and empathy and, and joy and so forth. But then notice as well, self-control. So spirit in that, again, God's given us emotions, but truth. And that's a powerful combination led by the spirit, but in truth 
and with that comes self-control again it's joy john has great joy in here but where's the self-control where's the truth and i just love it how this is one of the ways this is one of the little ways and there's so many greater evidences that you know god moved on men to pin these books because even the greatest heroes in the scripture like yeah that guy's a sinner you know talking about like yeah she's a sinner it's just made so clear all glory goes to be to god and and again redemption through the lord and and god's goodness look at in all of it as well again there's an order in worship and i know sometimes people that are more highly emotional they'll start seeking experience and and their christianity starts getting based on the next experience that stirs up emotion and i just caution you listen don't be an experience seeker don't seek after experience and emotion but the scripture says in John 6, or Mark 16, 17, it says, these signs will follow those who believe. Seek after the Lord. Seek after the word. And then the Lord will bring an experience or the Lord will bring emotion and it will be in the right order under the banner of the word, after, under the banner of, again, seeking after Jesus. We gotta be careful with that. I know some people are more susceptible than others. Also in this, again, there's a lesson. I'll go through this quickly to, to move on in our passage, but... Again, this angel gently corrects John. It doesn't, get, it doesn't get a pass. Oh, well, he's emotional. We'll just let that go. Look, we're called to correct error. Starting in our own lives, right? Let's check ourselves. Again, people, I'm a fruit inspector. We'll start with your own fruit. I test all things. Well, let's start by testing our own thoughts and our own doctrine and so forth by scripture. And then if we see a brother or sister that's, you know, in a place where they're clearly in an unbiblical position or their emotion is triumphing over truth. We want to, again, make sure those logs out of our own eye that we go in love out of concern for them to try to bring a godly correction with the heart of, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to correct them. I'm going to go give them what for. Look, at if that's ever the case, we, we get that right before the Lord but I want to go in hopes to restore them. I want to go in hopes that they would receive what I have for them because I love them and I care about them. I think a great example, we talked about this recently at the end of Romans when Paul's sending those greetings and we refer to this there in Acts 18. We read about a man named Apollos who, who he knows of John's baptism that points to the Messiah, the coming of Jesus. And he's going about powerfully using the scriptures to preach and then Priscilla, Aquila and Priscilla hear him and it says they pulled him to the side and they explained him more accurately you know the way of God in other words they told him look at Jesus has come this is what Jesus has done but they pulled him to the side they didn't make a spectacle and it's a picture they did it gently they did it you know with scripture and then all the more Apollos was effective in preaching the gospel that's the way things are supposed to be done again in this again it's also a clear call for biblical order and worship there's prescribed manners of worship and again it's easy to get emotional and it grieves my heart because i grew up in a lot of you know what in, in in churches and so forth where the prescribed manner of worship would just go right out the door and look at i i'm I express emotion up here in that pulp in the pulpit. Sometimes I get fire. I haven't I haven't done one of these in a while, and and you know what? I'm I'm someone that I gotta. I'm glad that's there, and I want I gotta check myself in that stuff. But I was always it was always curious to me as a kid. Like in this one church we were at a while, I could I could set my clock, my watch. I didn't have one. I was like in fourth grade. But I knew every time in that service when, when that one lady is going to stand up and she's going to do an operette in tongues. And I never heard an interpretation one single time. And really what it was, and again, I was a kid and I knew the scripture. I had read 1 Corinthians and I remember sitting there thinking, I went back from just, just shut up to, oh Lord, forgive me. Just shut up, oh Lord, forgive me. Because I'm like, why is there not, an, I'm a little boy. I'm thinking, why is there not an interpretation here? And it just seemed like more of a glorification of her. No one knew what she was saying. It'd be like if the piano player went over there and just started banging keys, the scripture says. Bram, 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 bram. There's no edification in that. 
This is a glorification of a person attention-seeking and a pastor not doing his job saying, okay, well, we're gonna wait now for an interpretation. We don't got one. You know what? Time to move on. So there's order given in the word. 1 Corinthians 14, 40, that talks about those things. Let all things be done decently and in order. 1 Corinthians 14, 32, again, the spirit of the prophets are subject to the prophets. So it can't be, well, you know, I lost, I lost control and I started clucking like a chicken and running around the sanctuary. Time out. (laughs) A fruit of the Holy Spirit, self-control. You can't say that. The scripture says the spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. And listen, that doesn't grieve the spirit of God. Because if you go on and you continue to read the chapter, it talks about there in 1 Corinthians 14, 23, if a church comes together and they're all speaking in tongues and someone comes in who's not a believer, it says they're gonna think you're out of your minds. But if you prophesy, paraphrasing it, they're gonna say truly God's among you. And again, the prophecy would be the proclamation of God's word in power. So, we need, to, we need to receive God's prescription in these things to say, yes, let's put everything under the banner of the word while not restricting again how the spirit of God wants to move under that banner of the word and making sure our emotions are under that banner of scripture. Again, he says not to do this. He says, I'm your fellow servant. I'm a servant like you. And this is something we wanna remember as well. Again, we're all just fellow servants. Let's make sure we're not only not worshiping angels, but in this day of celebrity Christianism, let's make sure we're not worshiping men. Let's make sure that we know all men are called to be subject to God's word. No one's above being tested. No one should be in a place of, well, that's so-and-so. So, you know, we don't dare judge any of their teachings or whatever it is. You know, not that we're called to go out and walk with scrutiny or that kind of thing, but we're just all fellow servants. All of us are fellow servants here tonight of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as it says there in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, you know what, what do you have that you didn't receive? And gifts and even platforms and, you know what, opportunities, whatever it is, it's all from the Lord. We're just fellow servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. One last note, we'll move on to verse 10. I already touched on this, but I think there's encouragement in this. This is the second time John's done this. Again, it was just a few chapters earlier there in Revelation 19.9. The angel says, right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Again, praise God. Is Jesus your Lord tonight? You're invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And these are true sayings. That's something to rejoice in. And he says, I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said to me, see, you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant and your brethren of those who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And there's some encouragement here, I guess, in the sense of I'm not the only one. And you can say if this is true about you, I'll say you are, then you can receive it or not. You're not the only one who's fallen into the same sin more than once. You're not the only one that has got too emotional more than once. (laughs) And look how gracious God is. Look how gracious he is. Look how faithful he is. So let's rejoice in that while at the same time not taking that truth and abusing it to make it a, License to go, well, you know what? God will put up with me. Yeah, well, he, he, he will, but blessed are those who keep the words of the prophecy. I wanna walk in that. Verse 10, and he said to me, do not seal the words of the prophecy of the book for the time is at hand. Look at, I, I got the verses here in Daniel 12 and we went through that book a little over a year ago where all these prophecies are given concerning end times as well with a whole lot of other prophecies that happen from the time of Daniel to Christ. Phenomenal. To where, for, to where secular, you know what, uh, individuals say, there's no way Daniel wrote this part of this book because it's just so accurate. No, Daniel wrote it because the Holy Spirit came upon him and it actually 
is one of those evidence that proves this is a holy book. God who knows the end from the beginning. But God told Daniel to shut up the words of those books. I'll just read Daniel 4, 12, or 12, 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Daniel was told to seal up that prophecy. He said, this is for an end time. Not so with John. He says, don't seal this up. See, these prophecies are for this day. See, some people get upset. Like, hey, we're in the end times. Hey, you don't know that. You don't, hey, you don't know Jesus is coming back. How dare you say we're in the end times? Well, the Bible says that. Because the scripture says the last day started really after Christ came. Notice Hebrews 1.1, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. And in these last days spoken to us by his son when he has appointed uh, when, when he has appointed heir of all things through whom also he made all the worlds. So again, we've been in the last days for a couple thousand years. We're like, well, how many last days are there? The perfect amount, I can tell you that. These things are for now. Chapter two and three, when John was writing there to the churches, that's the age we're in right now. Those things for us, we need those instructions given to those seven churches. Those things apply to us. They apply to our lives. They apply, again, to our fellowship to glean from those things, to receive those rebukes as well as those encouragements, to get that instruction as well as those warnings. And listen, soon, again, we'll move into chapter four where you see the Lord calling John up with a trumpet where it seems to perfectly fit the rapture of the church, where you see those 24 elders in the next scene in heaven that are throwing their crowns before the Lord. And we see they represent all tribes and tongues and, you know, peoples. And there's a mouse amount beyond, you know, a, a, an ability to count them. These things are coming soon. Again, they must shortly take place. As again, the Lord even says three times here, I'm coming quickly. And so again, we want to discern the times. We want to be aware of what's going on, but even more so, let's be aware of the words of Jesus who said, I'm coming quickly, amen? He says also, don't seal it up. Don't seal these things up. These things right here need to be preached. They need to be proclaimed. But again, we're still living in a time where a lot of people want to seal up revelation and passages on prophecy, where people even take it and twist and they say, well, all this stuff already happened there in 70 AD. Nonsense. This book was written in 95 AD. Others say, well, I just can't understand it, so I'm just going to seal it up. Haven't you been amazed at how wonderfully this flows if you've been with us through this study? These aren't riddles here. Now, again, there's some mysteries in some of this stuff, but there's great clarity. Others just say, well, it's just too scary. It's just too scary. Let's just seal it up. I don't want to hear it. It's just too scary. How many times has God said, do not let your heart be troubled in talking about these things? I've had people come to me over the last few years. Hey, are you guys, when you guys, are you guys going to be done with Revelation soon or when you're in Daniel? I just don't like hearing about that stuff. I, I want to come out, you know, when you guys get into another book. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm looking for you then for that, but why are you frightened? Why are you scared? Or is that just the product where you're cleaving so much to this life? You're like, I'm just having too good of a time here. I don't want to be concerned with Jesus coming back. And we should be the most joyous people. I, I had a, a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. It had some challenges, but a wonderful day to walk. What a wonderful gathering tonight to come worship the Lord. We're, we're the most blessed people in the world, but look at, let's get it straight. It's a fallen world. That's the old flesh lanity if you're like, I just want to hold on to this when God has so much better for us. He absolutely does. So he says, don't seal it up. Preach it, proclaim it. And listen, we've gone through it and have we not been blessed as the Lord said that we would. And then he says again, the words of the prophecy of this book, don't seal it up. And it's interesting how over and over in the word of God, the word of God is stressed. Where the emphasis in the word is on the word of God. Not to talk about the word, but to preach the word. To proclaim 
the word, to open up the word, not just revelation, but all of the word. This book should not be being sealed up in our lives and it absolutely should not be sealed up in the life of the church. It should be being opened up and again, not talked about. There's a difference between preaching that talks about scripture and preaching that preaches scripture. Big difference between the two. We wanna open it up and get into it. It's so good. Verse 11, he says, he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Again, Daniel chapter 12, as these prophecies given were being wrapped up. It's interesting, something similar said. There in verse nine, the angel says to Daniel, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. And again, they're opened up in this time that we're in now. Many shall be purified and made white and refined. Notice, but the wicked shall do wickedly and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now before Christ in ourselves, we were the wicked, but in Jesus Christ, we have righteousness. And in Jesus Christ, we have the spirit of God. And the Lord wants to teach us. The Lord wants to give us understanding of these things. Now, a few thoughts in this verse. The first thought is as these things unfold, especially with the coming great tribulation, and we do see folks coming to the Lord in that great tribulation, but for the most part, many take this as saying the wicked will remain wicked. And it's really a call not to delay living for the Lord right now. I remember when I was a backslidden state as a teenager and as a young man. Look, I, I, I came to the Lord as, a, as, a, as a, a little boy and I understood that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins. I got the gospel at three years old as clear as, I, you know, as, as, I, as someone could understand it and called on the Lord. And then just, you know, all the stuff that happens, just, you know, again, everyone's got their story and, and got into that place where I was just living in sin and so forth and, and you know what, I took a heart of my heart to that conviction. And it was around the time the Gulf War was, was starting to unfold and so forth. And I had this mindset of, you know what, well, if, 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 we, if we go into the tribulation or last time start, I know I won't die, I won't deny the Lord and, I'm, and I'll die for him if that's what, it, what, what needs to happen. And listen, I'm, I'm real careful with the Lord spoke to me. You know, the Lord said to me, because I think a lot of times the Lord didn't say any of that to you. People just throw that out because that's really what they wanted to hear or what they're trying to put forward or whatever. But I do know the Lord spoke to me. And I know he spoke to me because what came into my mind and heart was so biblical. He said, how are you gonna die for me if you can't live for me right now? I'm like, oh Lord, why'd you have to say that? <laughs> why'd you have to say that? Don't delay living for the Lord. Hebrews 3, 7, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and the day of the trial of the wilderness. And then you go to 2 Thessalonians 2 and it's talking about the coming of the lawless one and so forth. And then in verse 11, it says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusions that they should believe the lie, that they may be condemned who did not believe truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And it's just this, this thing you see in the scripture where look at some even try to make the case that if you hear the gospel before the coming of the Lord you get into that tribulation you're going to be given over to a strong delusion you were doing wickedness before that you're going to do wickedness afterwards that's something I'm not dogmatic about you know they'll take the five virgins that don't have the oil and then they come back with oil and they knock on the door and it's like no you're not coming in but that is something people need to take to heart if they're rejecting him today because you might not be able to hear his voice tomorrow. And this seems to indicate that, again, this is a wicked world and we know the Antichrist is gonna come out of this wicked world and the bulk of this world that's doing wickedly, they're gonna continue doing that because they're gonna say, we finally got our savior. It's very sobering. Again, he was filthy, let him be filthy still. Again, we're talking about inward things here. We're talking about individuals that don't want to be cleansed. 
Sin is filthy. The only way we get cleansed is coming to Christ. They don't want to come to Jesus Christ. So let them remain. Let them be unjust still. Let them be filthy still. Let them continue in this. I think it's something here that we're called to share truth, but look at there's the drawing of the Lord we see in Scripture, and then there's a, a call for men to respond, and there's a lot of mystery in all of that. And someone tell you they know all that? Yeah, right. But we see both of those in the Word. I know that God's the act of party, and I know the Scripture is whoever, whoever will may come. Whoever so will may come. God knows all the math and all of that. But I know this, I'm called to open the book and share it, but I can't make anyone do anything. In fact, I don't want to make them do anything. I want the spirit of God to do that work. This isn't Islam. Again, we're not here to convert by the sword. Well, by the sword of the word, but you know what I'm saying here. Let them continue. Let them be unjust. Let them be filthy. And then notice, he was righteous, let him be righteous still. He was holy, let him be holy still. And I believe this is a call in the midst of a wicked, filthy word for us to be righteous, not to be like the world. As we see a darkening in our land, let's all the more burn brightly for the Lord, amen, to strive to live a right life before God in that, under that law of liberty and to be holy or set apart for the Lord. One other thought with this that I think is so powerful. Look at what's implied here. Again, the unjust, the filthy, even in the context here, we see they're outside of the city. We already seen that their state eventually is an internal fire. Let them, they're wicked, let them be wicked still. They're unjust, let them be unjust still. And this stomps and tramples any idea of hell or purgatory cleansing someone of their sins it really implies that when they go to hell they're going to become more wicked in hell they're even going to be more unjust in hell because hell and flame cannot atone for sin the only thing that can do that is the shed blood of jesus christ and the idea that hell or purgatory can do that it is a doctrine of demons period verse 12 and behold again second time and behold i am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work again the second of three times in this last chapter behold i'm coming quickly he's reinforcing the truth that he's coming quickly do you guys get that tonight is that in your heart he's coming quickly how do you know that see jesus said it's how i know it <laughs> And again, throughout the scripture, we see this. Throughout the gospels, he says he's coming quickly. And we see him coming for his church. Notice John 14, 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. Look at really, to deny his coming is to deny his word and in a way to deny him. To mock his coming. And there are many people that name the name of Christ that mock the idea of the coming of the Lord. You're mocking Jesus Christ. Jesus said he's coming quickly. And yet you see a mockery of it. I, I, I don't understand that other than people having affection for this world over an affection for the Lord. Well, what's the other mentality behind that? Because you're not rewritely dividing the word whatsoever. That's the throwing of the word to the side and the words of Jesus aside to come up with strange doctrine. And it seems that it's motivated by a love for the world. And again, God's given us many blessings we should be thankful for and grateful for. But again, even in that, it should point us to him. So notice what he says, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. And that's an encouragement to be about the business of the Lord. This is a time to be working, not out of trying to save ourselves. We're saved by grace, but out of love for the Lord, to be using our talents, to be using our gifts. All of us have so many days so many opportunities today's almost done and this day and the opportunity it will have passed and hopefully we're seizing the day and i know a lot of people that doesn't register with them they don't even like they're like i'm just saved that's all i care about and whatnot you know right now i'm just caring about all this and our vacation next week and all this kind of things and 
Those things are all fine and have a place, but are you concerned on your vacation that you need to get a, a stack of 50 to 100 tracks to pass out while you're out there? You think God wants you just over in Hawaii to go hang out? There's people over there that he wants you to, at the minimum, say, here's a gospel track to tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so on and so forth with all of that. Again, my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. And notice, according to his work. There are no group plans here. And again, we do things collectively as a church, as a group, but we will stand individually, not as a group before him. Galatians 6, 4, let each one examine his own work. And then all rejoicing in himself alone and not in another for each one shall bear his own load. And then notice that next in verse 13, the Lord, you know what? He's reiterating his credentials that qualify him to say he's coming quickly. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. This is the dec- de- another declaration that Jesus is God. I'm the beginning, I'm the end. Omega, it's the idea of infinity. On and on and on and on. The first and the last. It's a picture of being supreme over everything. It's why God, again, prophesies and it's 100% accurate because he knows the end from the beginning. Nothing takes him by surprise. Nothing's like, oh boy, I didn't know that was gonna happen. The Lord knew Newsom was gonna sign the bills he signed today. The Lord knew this guy was gonna start putting up billboards that are pro-abortion with a scripture verse on it saying, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. Anyone see that? Well, he left off the first commandment, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where's that part of the scripture? Because if you love the Lord God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And one of those commandments is thou shall not murder. Scripture twisting for wicked and again, evil intent. A good old Irish Catholic putting up those billboards. And again, I know many Protestants do the exact same thing. Verse 14, how'd we get back to that? I saw I get some anger in that. I don't ever want to go, oh, well, you know. Oh, yeah, there that is. Well, you know, just how things are. No, I won't be stirred up about that. See, this is wrong. Pray for that man's salvation, amen? Pray for our state. Pray that these that name the name of Christ that are going under these delusions and just saying, oh, well, you know how it is. Wake up, <laughs> Wake up. We're called to occupy until he comes. Not to do as the world does. Not to fall under those, again, philosophies of men and doctrines of devils. Verse 14, and what a perfect spot for it. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Are you pro-blessing tonight? You want blessings from God? He says, do my commandments. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 3, 23. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. Again, we're not under a law, but we are under a law of liberty which means I have been free to walk with the Lord, to be about his business, to love my God. Again, not out of a self-righteousness of I gotta do to be right with God. I am right with God and I wanna live my life as such to the honor and glory of God, knowing God's word is good. God's word liberates. And as we see here, God's word blesses. Indeed it does. And notice part of the blessing, it's eternal things. That will eat of the tree of life, that will enter into the gates of the city. What a blessing. What a glorious day it will be when we enter into those gates. And then notice 15. But outside are dogs. People ask me, is, is my dog going to be in heaven? Well, outside are dogs. 
And we know from earlier on, they're not just outside, they're in hell. We'll get the context here in a second. Outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters. And this is the huge part of whoever loves and practices a lie. That's a huge key in understanding this. And these people aren't just outside of the city. We know they are in the lake of fire for all of eternity. I remember one of those many, one of the many uh, heretical books written by Rob Bell. I think the first one that, that came out that really showed this dude's a full-on heretic, a universalist, this idea of everyone's, everyone's going to heaven and there, there's, there's one of the chapters in there where basically he takes this and, and basically says, look at this is God saying, wink, wink, no one's going to hell. They'll just be outside of the city, wink, wink. Bro, you can't be snatching scriptures out of context. The context is they're in an eternal lake of fire and you're comforting people that are in full-on rebellion and you're doing it calling yourself a pastor. You have no fear of God nor love of people or any understanding of the gospel of Jesus to peddle such nonsense. Now listen in the scripture, dogs are very clearly portrayed as unclean beasts and used as illustration of individuals that want to live an unclean life. You're like, don't be slamming my dog. I love my dog. Dogs are scavengers. Have you noticed that? <laughs> You drop scraps, dogs are on it. Dogs eat things where you're like, oh, well, come give me a kiss, you know. <laughs> After <laughs> prophecy about Christ on the cross, Psalm twenty-two, sixteen: dogs have surrounded me, the congregation of the wicked. Interesting in Deuteronomy 23, 17, they're talking about temple prostitution and sexual immorality. It says there shall be no ritual harlot of the daughters of Israel or perverted one of the sons of Israel. This was heterosexual and homosexual temple um, prostitution that was used to worship Baal and Asherah and so forth. And notice what he says here. You shall not bring wages of a harlot or the price of a dog to the house of the Lord your God for any vowed offering. For both of these are an abomination to the Lord your God. Look at when Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? He's, he's, he, he's basically saying, are you saying that I'm an effeminate or I'm, you know, of, of, of this nature that you come at me? Well, slang hasn't changed a lot over the years. Verse 26, as a dog returns to his vomit, a fool repeats his folly. Well, my dog would never do that. Eh, you're not home all day. <laughs> and notice... Saw, or Matthew 7, uh, 6, don't give what's holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you pieces. Obviously, again, the dog's a scavenger. I would say he's like a vulture with four legs who's your best friend. And so it's a, it's a picture to us. It's an illustration. It's, it's an animal that's unclean. I, I have two dogs. I love my dogs. But they are scavengers. And it's interesting in this group, outsider dogs, sorcerers, sexually immoral, murderers, idolaters, and whoever loves and practices the lie. Interesting in scripture, Isaiah 56, 11, false teachers are compared to dogs. They're called greedy dogs, in fact. There's a lot of greedy dogs in the world. Again, they're also legalists. Those that say it's Jesus plus keeping the law. You will not go to heaven if you think you're a co-redeemer of your sin. It's Jesus plus I keep the Sabbath. No, it's Jesus and Jesus only. He better be your Sabbath. Philippians 3, 2, beware of the dogs, the evil workers, beware of the mutilation. And again, it was this idea, it's Jesus plus outward circumcision that saves me to put people under the law of Moses. No, the law came by Moses. Grace comes through Jesus Christ. And then he says sorcerers. And look at throughout this book, we've talked a lot about sorcery and witchcraft. And it's very prominent in our culture today. It's exploding amongst young people and, and, and so many, uh, many people that even say, well, I'm a white witch. I'm, I'm a Christian and I practice witchcraft. There is no white witchcraft. All of it is condemned in scripture. And then I think of, again, Saul 
when he rebelled against the command of the Lord. Again, there in 1 Samuel 15, 23, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. If you want to rebel against God in the sense of, I want to practice what I want to do, I want to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, versus a struggle of, look at this is wrong, I got it deep in me, and Lord God, I know you've forgiven me, now help get it out of me. You're, you're just a believer if that's the case. But if this case of practicing rebellion, practicing these things, making provision for these things, who's your Lord? That's the question, who's your Lord? Is it Jesus or do you serve the God of your own belly? Sexually immoral, again, Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Again, I'll skip down. Well, we'll let's just hit idolaters. Again, this is the idea of, of, of a passion over God in our life and feeding that. Interesting, 1 Corinthians 10, 14, therefore my beloved flee from idolatry. We were talking about this the other day in our staff devotion, 1 John 5, 21, little children keep yourself from idols. And the thing we really talked about is we have an obligation to keep ourselves from idols. Because how many times do we have idols that are just maybe in our heart or mind that only us and know God about and God know about? I gotta keep myself from that. I wanna make sure I'm seeking the Lord first and look at when I'm not, I want a red flag because I don't wanna practice that. And this is the big thing, whoever loves and practices a lie. These are all lies. Sorcery is a lie. Sexual immorality is a lie. Idolatry is a lie. These are lies. This is how the devil comes. He introduces the sin of temptation. Do this and you'll be better off. These are lies. These goes against, go against God's word. But the key is they love and they practice it. Versus I hate that and I'm wrestling with that and this is wrong and I wrestle with my flesh because my flesh loves it, but I know again it's wrong and the spirit man in me wants to serve God. It's Paul where he says, I do the very thing that I hate. He wasn't practicing it, but at times he'd get caught up in it. And then again, where does he turn? Does he say, well, if I'm good enough, I'll be right with God. No, that'd be him being a dirty dog. Thanks be to God. Thanks, wretched man, that, uh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from this body of death? Thanks be a God through Jesus Christ. And if you're a believer here tonight and you're wrestling with these things, then listen, it's a picture of Jacob wrestling with the Lord. You keep wrestling and you don't quit. You keep going. You get knocked down, you get back up again. There's just too much quitting in the body of Christ. Too much. I heard a phenomenal sermon the other day by... Uh, What's his name? Jack? Uh, no. No. <laughs> Jack uh, Riles, old fundamental Baptist pastor. And it was all about how there in 1 Corinthians where it talks about we're down but out, not out. And it's a wrestling term. As a picture, you're on your back, but you're not going to get pinned. You're going to keep bridging. Like I'm on my back, but you're not going to pin me. And the whole thing was, don't give up, don't quit. He's like screaming, do not quit! <laughs> At some pastor's conference, like back in the day. And I stumbled on it, and it was so good. Do not quit! It's so, so, it's so awesome, because he tells a story about when his kid was five years old. He got him boxing gloves, and got like a seven-year-old from down the street, and got him boxing gloves, and had that kid beat up his kid to teach him not to quit. I'm talking like, <laughs> glory to God. <laughs> he had gloves on and he's like you're 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 not gonna be a quitter don't quit keep fighting amen what'd you get out of the sermon well pastor steve said we need to get some boxing gloves they're setting up a ring back there for the kids and whatnot look i tell you a lot of stuff today is just too soft i tell everyone i went I went to one of the roughest junior highs probably in America, but one of the best. I tell you, if kids had beef, they had an abandoned room with a wrestling mat and you would go in there and you either box or wrestle whoever you had beef with. And the, and the PE teachers would oversee it. They make sure some kid didn't get roughed up. And then afterwards you'd shake hands and boy, some kids became best friends through all that. Anyhow, I'm off on a way tangent right now. But listen, don't quit. 
Don't quit, amen? Don't give in to that practice. Keep fighting it. We don't make provisions for that. We resist it. We fight against it. That means you got a Holy Ghost pulse is what that means. It means you're in the fight. <laughs> I mean, how many passages of scripture are about the boxing match and the fight and the race? You press on. The world practices this stuff. They make provision for it. Oh, well, I'm gonna go along with it. It's what my flesh wants to do, so I'll just succumb to it. No, you don't be led by this flesh. You want that flesh to get the upper hand. We've been led by the Holy Spirit, amen? amen? By the word of truth. Blessing of life is found there. You're not missing out on anything being led by the flesh. Fight that daily. Paul said, I die daily. I don't quit. I press on. Be encouraged tonight in the Lord Jesus because he's with you in the fight. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Lord, we just bless you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your great goodness. Oh, Lord God. Lord, help us, God. Stir our hearts to know you're coming quickly, God. Let that behold get right before us, God. Behold, I'm coming quickly. Lord, just ingrain that behold in us. Remembering, God, this will shortly come to pass. Let us be a people in the word, God, and absolutely about your business. Listen, if you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord Jesus. Today's the day of salvation. It's through him and him alone, faith in him, acknowledging I'm a sinner, I need to be forgiven, and I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. Beautifully, the word says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Respond to that. Again, tug of the spirit of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the good news. He'll meet you where you're at. Lord, bless the rest of our evening here. Let it be good. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.